Well, hi, welcome back to another edition of the Pastors Podcast. I am Bob, joined here with Matt and Todd, uh, and we are coming to you once again from Maranatha Bible Church, located in Comstock Park, Michigan, just outside of uh, Grand Rapids. And uh, we are continuing our series, uh, Coram Deo, where life, uh, where faith and life intersect. Um, last time we talked. Uh, we talked about our union with Christ. What does the Bible say specifically about being in Christ? What does that union in Christ look like? And um, so the uh, the goal is to now say, hey, here's the theological reality that we are in Christ. We have a, a spiritual union with Christ. And so now, what does that look like uh, for the Christian life? So the, this today and uh, the next four podcast, we're going to flesh out what does it mean um, that we have, we are in Christ or, you know, kind of better phrase, what are the benefits now that we are actually in Christ? So I thought I'd start, I like this quote, uh, John Murray, one of my favorite books on salvation. Um, if you uh, if you like a small book, but is jam-packed with 10 times the amount of what the words are actually on the page, uh, John Murray, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Um, he uh, he does a wonderful job. It changed my view on on mm. salvation personally, mm. and it's been a huge blessing to me. But one of the things he said was, as far back as we can go in tracing our salvation to its fountain, and by by fountain he means the you know, where it originated. It. He says, as far back as we can go in tracing our salvation to its fountain, we find union with Christ. It's not something tacked on. It's there from the outset. So our salvation then is not. Oh yeah, we're saved. And we have a union with Christ. It's we are saved because of our union with Christ. Uh, and so we would have no benefits of salvation um, if we're not uh, in Christ, right? Um, so one of the things I wanted to do was start out just, uh, let's talk about the difference between the essentials for salvation and the benefits. Because I think a lot of people put them together, and I always did, to be honest with you. And then reading through you know, John Murray's book, it really blessed me. Um, to see how much God actually did, not just for our salvation and for us to be saved, but then after we're saved, all the benefits that we get because we are saved, which aren't necessary to being saved. And I think that'd be helpful to kind of flesh those out a little bit. So how would you explain that to somebody? Here's the necessities of salvation, the core of it versus here and now the benefits that are kind of derived or consequences of being saved. Well, clearly there's a distinguish, we have to distinguish between those because in order to be saved, I mean, there are some key essentials. Uh, a person must understand they're a sinner. Uh, a person must understand that they're lost and under condemnation. Uh, they've broken God's law and they must uh, sense that God in His holiness must punish that sin because He wouldn't be God if He's not able to do that or not going to do that. So that's critical. Then they have to understand that uh, Christ is the only Savior that the world has. Uh, they have to understand that His death was sacrificial. It was um, in their stead. It was substitutionary. He paid a price that He didn't have to pay because we had a price we couldn't pay. Um, and so He did that. He rose from the dead. And now to receive the benefits of that, there's belief in Christ and repentance of sin 
and embarking upon a life of now living for Christ, not for ourselves. That, that's the gospel. Mm. That's mm. salvation. That, that's how someone <clears throat> comes to faith in Christ. But as you're saying, there are a number of benefits that accrue to the person who is brought to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we could probably talk all day about what those are. In fact, we're going to flesh some of those out in our theology class on Wednesday night. So shameless plug for our Wednesday night theology <laughs> class. But what, what comes as a result of that? Well, there's justification. You're declared righteous. You are set on a path of sanctification, meaning now he's in the process of making you holy. Um, there's adoption into God's family that brings you into a child-father relationship mm -hmm. with him. There's a new nature that comes as a result of being in Christ. Your old man is gone, a new person has come. Uh, there's the promise of glorification. So all of those are, I think this is what you're getting at, mm. all of those are benefits that are in addition to what it means to be saved or what you have to c come to recognize in order to be saved. When you do that, these are all the things that um, come to us as a result of it, but are separate from and the result of what Christ has done in us. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so faith, repentance, that <clears throat> makes you united with Christ, That then you're in Christ, and then you see all these passages that talk about those who are in Christ and then fill in the blank, which will start to start to fill in those blanks today. But it's really what's, what's on either side of that in Christ uh, phrase. You, you need to, as you said, you know, recognize your sin, trust in Christ, uh, have faith and trust in Him, confess Him as Lord, then you're in Christ, and then all of these things. Yeah, even thinking about, you know, you had mentioned this earlier as we were preparing, having the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. That, that is not a, a necessary aspect of salvation. That's a gift resulting from salvation. And then just amazing to think now we have the mind of Christ. We can understand Scripture. It's illuminated. We can go to the Lord in prayer. We have Christ as our intercessor. I mean, you can go on and on and on. It's basically, if you, you just go through the rest of the New Testament to right. see the benefits right. of being in Christ. But that's uh, yeah, a phenomenal reality. Yeah, and I think, you know, <clears throat> one of the questions we ask is how do we then link this to, you know, Quorum Deo, before the face of God? Right. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, I, I love the old, um, you know, introduction to the sermon, right? They always give a little illustration. And, uh, and this is one that always stuck in my mind for many, many years was, you know, the rich man heard of a painting that was the most beautiful painting, most expensive painting. So he hired a whole firm to go out and look for this painting. And after a year, they couldn't find it. And then finally, somebody came back and said, sir, you already own that painting, right? Mm. He had so many riches and treasures mm. that he didn't even know mm. that he had the most expensive, most beautiful painting. And I think that is such a good illustration of the normal Christian. Like you have so many benefits in Christ. We struggle needlessly at things at times because we don't tap into the resources that we already have. We act as if we're still on God's bad side, if you will, right? And But we don't act as new believers in Christ because we look at salvation as a one-time event. We, we're not going to hell. We're going to heaven. And now I just have to live out the rest of my days, 40, 50, 60 years on earth, suffer here. And then once we get to heaven, everything's going to be good. But that's not, that's not at all what mm. the Bible says. And so how do we live now in light of the fact that we have been saved? Um, and that's really what we want to get out of these next uh, four episodes is how can someone say, okay, I've been looking for this and now I have to stop looking for it. And I have received, like the person that just prays for the Holy Spirit, 
Well, you're saved. You have, you have yeah. the Holy Spirit. Stop praying for him. He is there, right? Mm -hmm. So now act like it. Tap into that resource, as it were. Uh, and so that's really where we want to help people. So the first one uh, we want to talk about, the first benefit of being in Christ, uh, which I think is so important. We'll start, I actually want to read John 3 real quick. Um, Jesus talks about this uh, benefit here. And he says in John 3, uh, 18, and he says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. And in verse 18 he says, But he who believes in him, meaning he, as you had said, believes the gospel in Christ, is not judged, or another version would say, is not condemned. He who does not believe has been judged or is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So condemnation, the uh, first one, and the reason I started there, to be honest with you, is because Paul started there, uh, the big therefore there in right. Romans 8.1. Um, but Jesus talks about this, so there is a stark contrast between the condemned and the not condemned, right? And Jesus says this here in verse 18. So if you believe in him, you are not condemned. So that's a that's a statement. That's not like if you believe in him, there's a good chance you're not going to be condemned. Or, you know, maybe if, if we decide you're not going to be condemned. But this is, a, this is a direct quote, a direct statement. I mean, it'd be in red if my Bible had red letters, right? Like this is from, from Jesus, right? And you so, don't have a red letter Bible? No, I didn't want to bring it here. So, yeah. So how, let's start there, right? Let's talk about this condemnation, not condemnation. Let's define condemnation so that way we can kind of dig into the benefit of that. Well, yeah, so when we think of condemnation, uh, you're being condemned, you, you can think of this almost in a legal sense where we stand guilty before a holy God because of our sin and uh, really what every natural man deserves. You think of Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So it's, uh, we, are, uh, we are sentenced because of our sin, uh, the natural man is, to eternal punishment, to hell, to experience God's wrath. But now the wonderful reality of this, and really the heart of the great exchange is, Christ has taken on that sin, and now we have taken on his, Christ, or his righteousness. So now that when the Father looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, but he sees Christ's righteousness mm. in us. And because of that, there is now no condemnation. Not, uh, as you said, it's not a maybe, it's, which is fascinating, right? When you look at other you know, secular, worldly religions, the, at, the, at the heart of that, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, well, you, you live this life uh, for God, God, fill in the blank, however they describe that. And then when you die, you either, you may have salvation. You, hope. Yeah, there, there, you hope that, hope not in, a, in an assured sense, but right. hope in a like, I really hope this all pans out. Yeah. So you can see here, there's, there's absolute assurance. And again, you know, we're going to talk about Romans 8 and just that wonderful statement. In the past tense, those whom he's justified, he has glorified. So there is assurance. There is absolutely no condemnation because as we see, as we've been talking about this idea of being united with Christ, it's because he has accomplished it and therefore there's certainty in it. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. It yeah, is. so this is one of the benefits that accrue to us as believers is there's no condemnation. But getting back to what you just said, I, I think you're right. I think that there is a sense in which we as believers sometimes feel like we need to condemn ourselves. Mm -hmm. We, we, we need to kind of self-flagellate. We need to wallow. We need to live in the mire for a while because we're terrible people. And, and so we end up, um, you know, saying things like, I just, I, I can't just forgive myself. Right. You know, this good. is the kind of language that is used when, 
we think God is mad, we think he's angry, we think he's treating us because we deserve it. And so I think what you're getting at is this is how we live when we don't understand this reality. Yeah. So we're not living quorum Deo in light of his promises. We, mm. we tend to forget the gospel. We tend to forget forgiveness. We tend to forget transformation. We tend to forget we're not under judgment anymore. And we think we need to live there because we sinned, we fell, um, you know, we, we engaged in a sin that we thought we were immune to. And, and then we live in this state of absolute um, lack of trust in the fact that we are not condemned anymore. Hmm. And so this is where I think what you're getting at is we need to preach this reality to ourselves right. so that we can live rightly before the face of God and um, live the way he wants us to live free from this sense of judgment and wrath. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And I think, um, you know, with that whole idea of forgiving yourself, because we, you know, I know God's forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself, as if your standard is so much higher than God's, right? And, uh, where is that in the Bible, by Yeah, the way? I know. It's not even close. Every time I hear someone say that, it's like, can you show me where in the Bible? It's a second Hezekiah, uh, oh, <laughs> chapter 9. Hezekiah. Yeah, right. And... Uh, uh, for those of you watching, there is no second hesitation. Um, but uh, so, and and I want to I want to focus on something Matt said, which I think is so key because I, I think early on in my Christian life, I didn't realize something that you kind of just glossed over. Um, and I like John Piper. I printed off a little something he said. And he said, "Only by being in Christ does Christ's condemnation become our condemnation." And so, if you want to be able to say now and at the last judgment, there's no condemnation for me because Christ endured it for me. So I think oftentimes we think that there is a there's a neutrality. So like I'm not being punished for my sins. I'm I'm off scot free, right? But the part of that is, and you said this at the beginning, God would not be just if He didn't punish sin. So your punishment, it's not that God stopped that punishment. It had to go somewhere. So Christ was in a sense condemned for our sins. That's right. Because we are not condemned. And I remember when that reality sank in and my love for Christ became exponentially more because I didn't realize that somebody had to take that penalty for my sin. And he willingly took that penalty. God the Father didn't say, okay, now you're saved. So, you know, your, your penalty is null. You ha Something had to die, right? There had to be that pen uh, penalty uh, meted out. And so... It went to Christ. And so I think oftentimes we live as if, oh, well, no, nobody got punished for my sin. Like, it's free. It wasn't free. It, it cost a whole lot, in fact, the life of, of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important to keep in mind. Like, your condemnation, you could say, went somewhere. It just didn't go to you. Mm -hmm. And so if that doesn't bubble over in, you know, just love and joy mm -hmm. and just the utter, you know, um, faithfulness because of what he did for you. There's not a whole lot more that will. Yeah, that's an interesting, I just thinking of an interesting implication of that. You know, if we feel as though God's wrath is still being poured on us in a sense for our sins now, mm. we're essentially saying Christ's death wasn't sufficient for all the sins that I would commit in my life. Yeah. So I think that's a really great thing to bring out because having a right understanding of of this, the fact that we are no longer condemned before God, really shows the uh, the efficacy of Christ's sacrifice for mm. for the elect. Mm. Uh, it, he satisfied God's wrath. That wrath was there. It wasn't swept under the rug, but it was satisfied through what Christ endured at Calvary. So I think that's um, a really important thing to draw out. Mm. 
That's good. So God's uh, uh, or condemnation coming upon us it does not come upon us because of Christ. The penalty that that we were to take it actually went to Christ. Um, so what does that mean now? What what does that mean now for the life of the believer? So someone you say, okay, there's no condemnation now. Um, how do we bring that like? practically, right? So Christ has set us free. We're now under just the law of Christ. We're no longer, because the law, the Bible says, just brings condemnation. So we're not under the law. We're under the law. We're not under the the Mosaic law, but Mm -hmm. we're under the law of Christ, right? And so how does that play out now in the life of the believer? Well, I, I think it has some implications for us. Like, number one, God does not reject us when we sin. So I think sometimes we, we think, well, man, I I fell back into that sin. I'm so ashamed, which, you know, there, sin does bring guilt and shame. But when we repent of that, it's it's forgiven, it's cleansed, Christ took care of it. So God doesn't reject us. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. we live in this mentality that, well, God's put up the stiff arm and now I'm on the outs with God mm-hmm. as a believer. Mm-hmm. That never happens. We're never on the outs with God, ever. He doesn't reject us. Um, we'll never have to experience that wrath. He never uh, puts us away for a while until he cools off and we cool off, and then we can start talking again. That that doesn't happen. In Go the to Christian. his corner of heaven and wait for yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of disappointed in us. I mean, so God does not reject us when he sinned, nor is God angry with us when we're inconsistent. And I think sometimes we think, well, God must be really angry at me. And we talked about this, I think, in last year's theology class. God's never angry with the believer. He, he could be you know, disciplining us for sin, but he never gets to a point where he's angry with us anymore. And so I think when we forget that, we tend to go down into a spiral. Mm. We tend to think, well, I, I did this, and man, God just must be in heaven just scolding me and putting his finger in my face. He must be really angry. No, what does it mean when it says there's no condemnation? It means there's no condemnation. He's never angry Mm. with us as believers. And so I think when we live before the face of God, we have to remember that, yes, our sin grieves the Lord in a sense, but He's never going to punish us for sin. That sin was punished at the cross. So I think those are some practical implications of these truths. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing you said a couple times, the, the idea of discipline, and I think there's the understanding that the natural man outside of Christ faces God's wrath. You see that mm-hmm. Romans 1.18. The wrath of God has been brought upon those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. But now, as those who are in Christ, we face his discipline. So, yes, we sin. We're grieved over that sin. There's ways that God's working in us. But it's an idea of discipline. You can see the heart of those two things. God's wrath comes. It's rooted in his hatred for sin. Mm. Whereas you think of Hebrews 12, what does it say? For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So we still face something in light of our sin. There's still ways that God is working in us to make us more like Christ, but it's now with a, it's through his love and discipline, not a means of wrath coming down upon us or judgment coming down upon us because Christ is, has taken that all on. But now he, he disciplines us as his children because mm-hmm. he's now our Heavenly Father. It's good. It's like, it's like a, a parent and child. When they, mm-hmm. when they mess up, we don't say, well, I reject you. You're right. out of the family. <laughs> Go find another family. No, there's love there. There's care there. There's, there's uh, you know, uh, it grieves us when our kids disobey, but we don't drop the hammer and say, you're out of the family now. So I think there's a similarity in a sense to what mm-hmm. you're talking about with parenting. 
Yeah, so how would you help somebody navigate that, right? So I've gotten the question before, how do you tell the difference between discipline, conviction, um, and some would even say condemnation, obviously correcting that that view as well. But how, how would you help somebody kind of parse that out a little bit? Like, you know, am I being disciplined for something? Is this just a trial that I'm going through at this stage? Or, you know, is there a correction I need to do? Like, how would you help somebody out with that? Well, I guess in a sense we have to understand the... I mean, I guess it's pretty. It's a pretty broad question because you, I, I'd want to know what what they're dealing with. Cause, I mean, there's effects of living in a sin cursed world, and trials are going to come upon us. There's there's opposition from the world and from Satan, and then even the battles with our own flesh that are coming upon us. Um, but I, I think as we think of conviction, you know, the the Holy Spirit through the Word of God convicts believers. Uh, regarding, I mean, that's the the Word is a lamp to my feet. It, light to my path. It shows us the way. It, it reveals the heart of man. Mm. Um, so really, as we're studying God's Word, it's, I think I've seen this before, where your, your, your understanding of, of the Word goes up, and then your view of yourself kind of goes down because you realize, man, there's, there's mm. more and more that the world is revealing about uh, my own heart. Um, but, but that's a blessing. That's, I mean, that's the Lord convicting us. Uh, and then, obviously, we know in Romans 8, He does all things to conform us to the image of his son so that he'd be the first fruits of, of many to come. So, yeah, it's, it's probably a nuanced question, but those would be some thoughts. Yeah, I would say, first of all, it's not condemnation. Mm-hmm. Right? Whatever you're trying to parse out there and figure out, it's not condemnation. Whatever you feel like it is, whatever God is doing in your life, it's not condemnation. He's not angry at you. There's no wrath there. We're exempt from wrath, period. So there could be sin in your, our lives and for probably the first question we need to ask is am I sinning is there a pattern of sin in my life for which God could be disciplining me for I think that's the first question every time we come to a trial is is this God's hand of discipline mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. but if after you know evaluating that and saying no I don't think there is this pattern of unrepentant sin in my life then then there's a number of other things it could be it could be God allowing these things to prevent us from sinning like Paul's thorn in the flesh. It could be mm. an education uh, element where he's teaching us more about himself and uh, growing us and sanctifying us. Or it could be just the Lord giving us a hunger for heaven and a heart for go to, going to be with him. And so, I mean, there's a host of other things that he could be doing in the midst of those difficulties, but he's not condemning us. Mm. He's not mm. angry at us. Oh, that's really good. And I guess we could end uh, just with this uh, question, you know, our faith and life intersecting here. And, um, you know, not, now that we're not under condemnation, we've been um, free from the law of sin, which brings death. And uh, we, we now can, because we're in Christ, we can now choose righteousness, right? And so I think sometimes that that's a little uh, intimidating because you hear the term righteousness and you're like, oh man, how do I, like, how do I choose righteousness? Like, how am I ever going to find the right choice or the righteous choice, right? And so help, help out with that a little bit. Like, what does that mean now? So you're not under condemnation. You're, you're in union with Christ. You now have, your sins are forgiven. And so now you can live in such a way that brings honor and glory to God and you can choose righteousness. So what does that look like in an everyday everyday practice to choose righteousness? Well, I think it's just, you know, kind of going back to uh, what we discussed last time about Romans 6. You know, we're no longer slaves to sin. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We have the capacity now through, uh, through the work of the Spirit in us to, to choose uh, obedience or to choose to sin. And 
you know, even just thinking uh, as we reflect on really all that is ours in Christ, you know, I, I love just sometimes as Paul's writing, he just goes into just this, this exaltation of, mm. of the Lord and just recognizing, you know, the, the work that he's done. You know, I think, I think it's First Timothy 1 where he's just recognizing that, that Christ came to save sinners of whom he's the foremost of all. And there's just, there's just this wonderful, not to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. I think there's a sense that it's just the overflow of our heart as we recognize what Christ has done uh, in us and through us, for us. Um, there's just a desire now to live life for the glory of God uh, because we're recognizing I don't deserve this. You know, when I, when I truly understand who I am, what I deserve, what God has done for me, why wouldn't I want to live my life for the glory of God? As a just not that I could ever give enough back to 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 say thank you, but that's what right. we strive to do right. is just to to give now our whole life, excuse me, as a spiritual sacrifice of worship. Yeah, I think too we have the spirit of life in us, right? Mm-hmm. So keep reading Romans eight one. There's mm-hmm. four. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Verse two says four. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. I love that little phrase. He's, he calls the Holy Spirit the law of the spirit of life. Mm. You can choose righteousness. You can, mm. you can pursue holiness. You're not enslaved and shackled by this sin anymore. Uh, you've been liberated. You've been set free. And you have the very spirit of God himself living in you to give you life. Mm. Not just physical life and not just spiritual life but a life victorious over sin. So uh, if you want to end on a a note of hope, that's the hope, right? Our hope is we have the resources we need to conquer sin. Yeah, and just to connect that, uh, the reason I asked that question was because if we live a life thinking we're still condemned, we're either going to be trying to earn our salvation Mm -hmm. or we're going to just be the Eeyore, right? We're just going to be the, well, I'm condemned anyway. God's hands against me anyway. I can't do anything right. Seems like every time time I try to do anything, it always goes sideways, right? But that's not how we have to be. Like you said, we have the Spirit of God living in us, and we have actual life now mm-hmm. that we can live in such a way that honors and glorifies Him. And the Bible says that we have good works that have been preordained for us to mm-hmm. do. And so we can live before God in such a way that brings Him honor and glory and, and joy in our heart, like you said, Matt, is for everything that He did for us. We can try to repay that. That's that's almost like the Christian life, right? Like, Lord, I'm so thankful for all you've done. I'm showing gratitude and mm-hmm. and the weakness of of, uh, of my constitution, but I still want to try. So it's very helpful. All right. Well, I hope, guys, that that was helpful for you as well. And uh, we are so thankful that you joined us today. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to uh, send them in. But otherwise, we look forward to seeing you next time. Have a good night.